Hey, I'm not surprised, motherfuckers. <laughs> What is up, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome back to the Courtside Sunoff Podcast once again. I'm Josh Shumanoff. As always, welcome by the one and only man of the hour, too sweet to be sour. It is Angel Ortega. A lot of stuff to talk about this week. Obviously, we got UC Charlotte, UC Vegas, KSI's return, Francis Ngannou, and more. Before we get into all of that, we're brought to you by two fantastic sponsors of the show, Rogue Energy and Elixir. RogueEnergy.com, code SOUNDOFF and check out for 10% of all your energy needs to keep me fueled up, to keep me going through my day, making sure I'm being active in the gym, at home, playing video games, or at work. Rogue Energy has my back, and they have yours, code SOUNDOFF for 10% off. Elixir, meanwhile, the exact opposite. They'll get you really high with Delta 8, 9, 10 HHC products. They have gels, joints, pens. They got it all. And for code sound off, you can get 10% off uh, all of your Delta 8 needs. Angel, last Saturday night from Charlotte, North Carolina, the big boys going head-to-head in the Spectrum Center. In the main event, Jelton Almeida. Jelton Almeida, man, what can you say? I mean, between Jelton Almeida and John Jones, the heavyweight division has just been <laughs> getting brutalized, like, Straight up just embarrassed lately, man, uh, with just the most basic wrestling. In the end, he ends up getting the win, not even hit. Submission rear naked choke three minutes into the first round. Jailson Almeida still only two significant strikes in his UFC career thus far. What do you think, man? Uh, obviously, he's now in title contention, not that far away from it. What do you think? No, I mean, another another impressive performance. Kind of what I expected, though. Uh, I just didn't know how soon it would come. First round, though, I mean, well done to him. Uh, shot in on the takedown, took his time, capitalized on it, worked towards the finish, and uh, ended up getting the submission in the end. Uh, nice to see him moving up the ranking to the fast pace. He was a guy, though, that I was just like, this guy's special. Ever since I saw him in the Contender Series, I had brought I brought him up to you, and I was like, there's something about this guy. I don't know what it is, but I feel like, he has this impressive skill set, and I just think that at some point he's going to do something. I don't know what it is. He could be a rank fighter, and that might be it. He could be champion one day. I don't know. But he just had this this it factor to him that uh, just always made me go to him. And uh, now he's ranked number nine in the heavyweight division. He's balanced back and forth between 205 and heavyweight, so he's more than willing to fight in more than one weight class. So, you know, there's still options not just at heavyweight, but also at 205 that maybe he'd take as well. Um. As far as who's next, Josh, he's ranked number nine right now. Who would you like to see him fight next? Because he just broke into the top ten. Yeah, I mean, off the top of my head, uh, I'm going to pull up the rankings right now. I think that, I mean, I honestly want to see him fight just about anybody. I still think he needs one more big one. And I think I want to see him tested. And I think the fight to honestly make, I don't know if it's a hot take, I want to see him versus Curtis Blades whenever Curtis Blades gets healthy. I think, uh... I mean, there's really only one, there's two, three wrestlers in the division max that are actually <laughs> genuinely good, and uh, Curtis Blades is one of those guys. Ideally, I would like to see Jailton Almeida versus Curtis Blades, man, just because I think Curtis, whether or not you like him, I don't know why fans have never really gotten behind Curtis Blades, they just haven't, but for that fight, you're going to see Jailton Almeida tested, and uh, that's all we can really ask for at this point in time. I mean, the guy's taking two strikes total, two 
I mean, he's doing, he's putting up Hamzat Shemaev numbers, dude. Like, it's, it's insane at a weight class where people don't put up those sorts of numbers. Um, ideally, I think Curtis Blades, what do you think about that being a potential fight next, man? You think that's the right book? Uh, I mean, I, I think it's definitely an option. Um, I don't know if that's the direction they'll go in, though, knowing the UFC. For some reason, I feel like they might draw it out, maybe throw a, a Volkov at him, a Spivak, potentially. Those are two guys ranked right above him. If they absolutely hate Tai Tuivasa, maybe Tai Tuivasa. Uh, but I feel like there's other options there as well at this time. Or maybe even, what's he going to put up? A Cyril Gaon. You know? Cyril mm, Gaon would be interesting. They want, um, they, want, they want to see it now rather than later. Even, yeah. Yeah, I mean, Cyril Gaon, I, I haven't heard anything about him since he got basically run over by John Jones and basically shit his pants. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, I don't, I don't have much of an interest in that fight personally because I know how it will go. You know, like it's just, just, I mean, I mean, we don't know what he's been working. Maybe he's been in Dagestan all this time. <laughs> maybe that's why we haven't seen him. Maybe, maybe Sterogon has been out in Dagestan, but uh, I don't know, man. It's like the old, you know, how many times? Like, what's what's the definition of his saying? He's just doing the same thing over and over and over again. Um, you know, basically, poor Sterogon going out there and just facing wrestler after wrestler. And whenever we kind of know what's going to happen, that'd be pretty funny. Um, but, you know, regardless, I do think that there's multiple fights that they can make for Jelton Almeida. I think that he is one of those guys that's being positioned right now to be a future champion, or at the very least, be in contention. So, uh, we will have to see what happens there. Dude, Comey event, I feel like the Comey event, uh, generated more, I guess, talk than the main event did, but not for the right reasons. <clears throat> Johnny Walker ends up picking up a unanimous decision victory over Anthony Lionheart Smith, 28-28. Excuse me, 30-27, uh, This fight was weird, man. Uh, basically, Smith just getting chopped down the whole time. And then, in the third round, saying something along the lines of that Johnny Walker was attacking his family. Uh, I mean, what do you make of all this, man? I know that it basically went, that clip went viral. Some people were making fun of Anthony. Some people were like, did he never get over the whole, the, the PTSD of that whole home invasion incident? What do you think about the loss? And then there's also some speculation that he was going to retire after the fight. It's weird, man. Everybody tried to analyze this so much. Everybody was like, uh, you know, he hasn't gone over, you know, he's having PTSD right now, yada, yada, this, this, and that. I'm like, do you know, like, this is the the, the most speculative shit I've ever seen during a fight. <laughs> you could talk about a fighter's mental being completely off, and I feel like I would have made more sense about him just being like, like him trying to find some motivation, and I could have agreed with that, or... Or trying to rise up, trying to get something out of himself because he he noticed that the the, the fight was slipping away, and it had been. But to to go to the extent of being like, you know, this is very clearly, I'm just like, dude, no, don't don't even start this topic, don't even try to put this out there. It, it was sure. Tra- Are you sure, Angel? It, it was a traumatic. <laughs> Um, it was a traumatic. I went, on, I went on WebMD and I looked up all the symptoms of PTSD. And <laughs> yeah, Josh, everybody's a doctor nowadays. I'm a fucking. Geek. I don't know if you know this, Josh, but I actually have a political science minor nowadays. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. yeah, I got a major in fucking culinary arts too. If you didn't know, regardless. Uh, I, have, yeah, I, have, I have a bachelor's I, in economics, Angel. So you can go ahead and continue. But regardless, it, it, yeah, now you see a lot of that shit, and I'm just like, I, I don't get why people are trying to make this point. Like, I, I just think, and like we talked, we talked about it before the show. I think he just came out cold. I think he kind of just couldn't get the ball rolling, and it was just a bad night, you know. And Johnny, and also, 
you got to think about how Johnny Walker fought most of his career. Johnny Walker hadn't ever gotten a finish or hadn't even gotten out of the first round for like a long time in his career. Uh, even when he lost, right? I think uh, Jamal Hill and the fucking, uh, what's the other one? Um, another guy who went to Bellator. I'm blanking on his name. Or Corey Anderson. It also happened, also happened in the first round. This is one of the, this is one of the only times in his career, one of the few times in his career, only times career where he went to full distance. And also Johnny didn't fight what, what we had seen in the past Johnny Walker. This is a very measured, safe, calculated Johnny Walker. I mean, that could have also been another thing that, uh, Anthony didn't expect. That could have, that could have completely thrown him off. And it's just like, he's expecting something and nothing's happening. And, and he's just mentally like frustrated. You know, he's just thrown off by it so hard that, it's like, what is going on? You know, like the moment was just so different. What he expected to. That's, I feel like there's a lot of factors into this, whether or not it was any of what we had mentioned or even that was mentioned by other people. Then we'll, we'll never know. Uh, but yeah, this is a rough fight for Anthony. I'm curious to see how he comes back and to see if there's any, uh, changes. But we also got to think about the fact that this guy was coming off an injury, was about to fight a different person before this and got a, had to wait. Didn't even know if he was going to get another opponent for a while. And he went from going to fight Jamal Hill, who Jamal Hill is not UFC champion, to Johnny Walker. So, mm-hmm. yeah, that's a big, a very big factor. That I'm not going to pretend to know anything about what happened with uh, with Anthony Smith. Honestly, I have no clue, um, and I'm not going to try and speculate. I I always thought it was pretty fucked up that a lot of people made fun of uh, the home invasion incident, dude. Like, I want you to put. I don't give a fuck that you're a professional fighter. I want you to put yourself in, in that guy's shoes, dude. Like, that is scary. It doesn't matter, like, if you're qualified to handle it. It's still scary to have to try and meet that situation head on. That's all some people making fun of him again after uh, with that whole situation. I will admit that the situation was kind of funny uh, from Johnny Walker's perspective. His reaction is like, what, what, huh? Like, what? Like, <laughs> so that was pretty funny. But, um, yeah, I mean, I don't know. Uh, I don't know what happened with Anthony. I'm intrigued to see what he does next. There was some speculation that he was going to retire. It appears that that's not the case, and it seems that he's going to go ahead and fight on. On the, on the case of Johnny Walker, I think, you know, um, Dana afterwards saying that, you know, he picked up a win, but he didn't really impress anybody. I don't think that's necessarily fair. I think Johnny Walker, um, ever since moving to SPG Ireland, I remember he made that move. People shit on him, and people shit on John Kavanaugh. And I was like, well, let's see what happens. And they're actually making it to where now he's calmed down, he's slowed down, he's filtering everything through, you know what I mean? Like, he's not just going out there, balls to the wall, I'm going to go knock this guy out right now, I'm going to do a crazy post-fight celebration, you know what I mean? Like, he's he's not that guy anymore. And um, he's having a lot of more success because of it. Great win by Johnny Walker. Intrigued to see what he does next. I mean, he's now ranked number five, Angel. This is a guy that a couple of years ago we were talking about fighting for a title back in 2019. Four years later, he's actually making his way up. Who do you think John Walker should fight next at 205? Man. Fuck, that's a good question, Josh. Let me look. Let me, let me give you some thoughts here. Let me break it's, down. It's worth noting. It's worth noting. We're going to get to this in the news section later. But UFC 291 was announced. Jan Bohovic announced that he had not available options. They're going to be fighting in July. Um... A Rockets return fight could be good. Uncle Live fight could be good. And I feel like Uncle Live Walker title eliminator is a very probable option if they don't go. Unless they give Uncle Live for some reason just title shot against Jamal Hill, which would be insane. I don't know why they would ever do that. And not give it to Yuri. Then Yuri versus Johnny Walker. But I think the more 
likely options are Jordy Walker versus Mark Menachlai in a title eliminator and potentially Jamal Hale Yuri in a main event. Yeah, I think that's relatively likely. I think Jamal uh, Jamal versus Yuri is probably definitely next. I mean, I know that that uh, fight hasn't been scheduled, but they're going, they've been going back and forth for a while. I think Johnny Walker versus a couple of those names, like you mentioned, Rogers, makes sense. I think uh, Ankalaev makes sense. Ankalaev, who seemingly just fell off the plate, the face of the, the fucking planet, after that, that draw against Yankovic, man. I mean, I, I'm, I've been so disappointed with that. I mean, I had such high hopes for that kid. Um, and then, I mean, I'm sure he'll still come back, but, I mean, five months later, and it's just not even, you know... We haven't seen him, haven't heard anything from him. Disappointing. But, you know, at the end of the day, big win by Johnny Walker. As far as the rest of the UC Charlotte card goes, man, there's a couple of big wins here. Which ones do you most want to highlight? I mean, we got to talk about the newly ranked fighter at Welterweight, Josh. No one else, no one else than Ian Gary. The future. The future. Ian Machado Gary. Fuck, man, I, I've been, you know, looking around. I, uh, I keep up in the card community. And a lot of people are going picking D Rod for this one, not picking uh, Ian Gary, but he's saying Ian Gary's gonna get the shit beat out of him, he's gonna get knocked out by <laughs> D Rod, this, that, and the other. And I'm like, guys, like, did you guys not watch Ian Gary's last performance? Like, <laughs> he looked really fucking good. I don't think that's the case. I'm like, I, th- I thought it was a hard fight. I thought it was be one of the toughest fights of his career. Uh, you could argue that the his first fight of his career was harder than this one. Yeah. Yep. Uh, look, man, finish over D Rod. Nice. I I will say, I was surprised, Josh. I did not expect the UFC ranking after this. I thought he was going to have to fight one more and then be ranked. I was a little thrown off by that. But wasn't D-Rod ranked? No, not at the time. Oh, okay. All right, never mind. And he jumped up a few spots. Yeah, he, they, they pushed someone out and he went in. I'm pretty sure D-Rod was not ranked at the time. I could be wrong. But he, but regardless, though... uh. Yeah, I mean, he laid out a seven-fight plan to the title, and now that he's ranked, I'm kind of like, is he going to literally fight everybody above him then? <laughs> That's what I'm saying. Like, and, and, he, and that was seven fights, including this fight. So it's six now, but even then, if he fought another fighter outside of the rankings, then it would have been five left to get to the title. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So I could have, you know, it made sense. I was like, all right, for a guy who's this young and has a very long career ahead of him, then yeah. So... But yeah, no, I, I mean, it's weird, man. I'll, I'll never understand the Ian Gary hate Josh, and I, I don't know what it is. I can't process it through my head. I try to legitimately try to find where people are coming from, and I just can't seem to find it. I, I don't understand what's not likable about this kid. He has a fun fight style. He seems like a genuine guy. He has his own, he has, a, I'd say, a good sense of humor for the most part. Uh, Maybe a, a little dry humor every now and then, too, wouldn't hurt, right? <laughs> but <laughs> to mix it up. But yeah, no, I just I, I just don't see what it isn't there to like, man. I feel like this kid has some some very high superstar potential at some point, if not at least some star potential. And uh, he already has the following behind him, so I just I don't get the hate. I, I bring you to uh, I brought it up the last few times we talked about him, and uh, it still doesn't stop. And I think people after the fact were still talking shit too, which is weird to me because everybody was so sure about Ian Gary getting knocked out by D Rod. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, um, you know, admittedly, I, I'm i somewhere in the middle on this fight. I remember thinking at the time, I was like, stylistically, I think D-Rod should lose this fight. And I and I, I bet against D-Rod, full disclosure. I bet on Ian Machado Gary. 
Uh, so I wasn't surprised when he picked up the win. I was surprised at how lopsided it was. I did not see that coming. Um, and in terms of his being ranked, I mean, Ian, Ian Gary, he, he's interesting. I admittedly did not expect him to kind of continue climbing. I figured he was, he was actually going to be one of those guys that took a, took a step back, maybe suffered an upset loss. Maybe maybe he just drops one. Like, for example, Raul Rosas Jr. just lost one to Christian Rodriguez. It happens, you know. When you're a young prospect or coming up, one loss won't really kill you, especially if it's a close fight. And I thought that might be what happens here for Ian Gary. Instead, he goes out there and demolishes him, man. I mean, he said he wants Neil Magny next. I think that's a fun fight. And I think Neil Magny has positioned himself, whether intentionally or unintentionally, as being the gatekeeper of the top ten. He's not necessarily a top five. Like, people say gatekeeper is just a blanket term. There's gatekeepers at the top five, to the top ten, to the top 15. And Neil Magny is a perfect top ten gatekeeper. Well, I hope they book it. I really do hope they book it. I think we're going to see Ian Gary tested against yep. Neil Magny. And that, that, is, that is the ultimate test fighter, Anna. Because uh, Neil Magny is that guy. You know, it, it's funny, Josh. I was just now thinking about it. Do you remember when Ian Gary first got signed to UC? I remember we talked about it. I was like, fuck, dude, he, got, he just got signed and... I'm like, that's so hype, and and I, I don't know if it was me or you, but for some reason I feel like it was you. You're like, dude, I think it's too soon. I think he's just too young. Because Ian Gary was, what, 20, 21 at the time when he got signed to UFC? Uh, around that age, yeah. Yeah, and it was just like, all right. And it was after his Cage Warriors win, and it was that. I remember I seen that all over Instagram, and that picture of him in his green shorts uh, with all his sponsors way back when. And then he makes his UFC debut. And it just seems like it's it's kind of flown by, man. And it's it has been it's been a, a, a good journey, uh, and it's been and it's been a upwards trajectory. At some point, uh, like like you said, I expected it to kind of slow down a bit, and it hasn't seemed to at all. And his life hasn't slowed down at all either. I mean, the guy's gotten, I believe, married slash engaged, uh, had a child in that time, and now he's a ranked UFC fighter. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's fought on pay-per-views. Like it's it's been a heck of a journey and a lot of pressure for a young man, who I feel like is still growing and getting better as a fighter and and as a person too. I'm sure. It, it's been a wild ride, man. I I honestly love the Ian Gary journey, and it's been fun. And I hope it. I'm curious to see where it, where it goes and where it, where it peaks at, and if it ever does peak. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, the thing about Ian Gary is, is you kind of mentioned like you don't want to think about his his journey being that long or. You don't think about it kind of happening as quickly as it has, but like he's had a low key trip. Like occasionally somebody he'll he'll pop up and everybody will be like, "Well, fuck that kid," you know. They people just hate him, and I think it's because that early introduction, whenever he was, you know, twenty, twenty one, kind of or obnoxious, you know. Um, but you know he's matured over. It, it's been multiple years since he first came in, so he has matured, you know. Um, you know. I'm interested to see what he does next. I think the fact that he's had this quiet journey where you don't really think about the fact that he's kind of been there and he's just been he's been improving. He's been getting these quiet wins. This is the first one where everybody went, Oh shit. Like he and Gary is for real. Um and uh we'll see what happens next. I think I think the Neil Maggie fight is the way to go. But you know, Ian Gary was not the only guy that picked up a big win on Saturday. Your highlighted fighter, Carlos Carlos Olberg, knocked out Ilhorpateria. I mean I was not surprised at all. I mean, I don't, I mean, I did not mean to be mean to this guy, but I said it on the show last week. I was like, this fight's not even going to be close. 
You know, it's crazy because I was like, I don't know if it is or isn't. Like, I didn't know what was going to happen. So when you said it to me, I'm like, oh, Josh just jinxed it. I'm not even going to lie to you. That's yeah, what really? I thought. I, dude, I, I was so sure this fight was going to be over and won. I, I mean, so I, sure. I, I thought Carlos was going to win. I thought he was probably going to get finished, but I'm like, I don't know if he'll, you know, I don't know what, what issues will come along the way. You know what I mean? Like, I'll tell you this. There's times where I've known a fighter's going to win. I've been 100% sure on it. But even then, I'm like, you never know what the other guy could do or what's going to happen. You know? Injuries, shit popping out, yada, yada. Fucking girlfriend breaks up with you that morning type shit. You know what I mean? Like, there's a lot of factors that, exactly. like, that, that affect that affects shit like that. So that's why I'm like, you just never know. You might start off slow. Maybe you ate something that didn't sell well with your stomach before the fight. Which is full like before, you know? You know, some <laughs> shit like that. Regardless, oh, fuck, dude, that'd be the terrible option to go before a fight. Well, not the worst, but regardless, that's besides the point. Uh, Yeah, he got the win. Fuck, dude, I feel like he's he's so close to ranking. He's he's on the older, he's a little older, you know? He's not old, but he's a little older when it comes to fight, uh, coming into fighting. He was in his 30s, I believe, or at 30 when he joined. I remember Izzy mentioning like, oh yeah, I'm gonna be here next week coaching my guy on on uh, on the contender series. Y'all should go watch it. And Carlos getting that big finish and, and then the celebration and Izzy jumping up in the corner. Unforgettable, man. It's been a heck of a ride. Obviously, I can't remember if his debut was Kennedy or after that it was Kennedy. I'm pretty sure he had a win before that, and then he had the Kennedy loss. And ever since then, he's picked up two or three wins. Um. I don't, I'm curious to see what Carlos Oberg's ceiling is. You know, we, we, I mentioned last week, I'm like, City Kickboxing has found a way to, to get this tight group of guys. And for some reason, these guys can fight at a very high level with, with just these few little guys coming out of this gym. You gotta give a lot of care to a guy, Eugene Barrowman, dude, and kind of what he's done with his group of, of talent because they, they are a special crowd. And, uh, I don't know. I don't know what uh, Carlos Alberti's ceiling is. Is, is he, could he be UFC champ? Could he be a ranked top ten fighter at some point? I don't know, but I'm, I I want to find that out soon. And uh, like I said, for him, he's he he has a lot of time because at two o five, you can we've seen it, man. Glover Teixeira, Jan Blahovich, there's time, but you just never know when your time is going to be done, though. Yeah, yeah, and ultimately, thirty two years old. I mean, he's he's coming on at the right time. 32, seems to be hitting his prime, and, I mean, he debuted with a loss. Debuted with a loss to Kenny Njigugu, but at the same time, there was his fifth career fight. He's won four in a row since then, with three coming by the way of knockout. He's the real deal. I don't know if he'll be a champion, like you said. I don't know if he'll be top ten, top five material, but I want to find out, because this dude looks really explosive, and, uh, and light heavyweight can use the juice. I mean... I like Johnny Walker, but Johnny Walker is ranked number five. You know what I mean? Like, um, I don't know if Carlos Ulrich will be that guy, but I want to find out. I think he's very, very good, and uh, we'll see what happens, man, with uh, his, his his upcoming future. Also on the main card, Alex Morono submitting Tim Means. Um, Alex Morono, another guy, which we just mentioned, funnily enough, also 32 years old, also coming on. I mean, five wins in his last six, and that one loss was that banger against Santiago Ponzinibbio. On short notice. Short notice, too. On the opposite end, uh, shout out to the Dirty, the dirty Bird, Tim Means. Uh, three losses in a row. Uh, the worst stretch of his career. You don't really think about it. Uh, I hope to see him turn it around, man. I mean, he's the guy that you don't think about it, but he's been around here forever. I mean, king of the cage back in 2005 putting on bangers against Spencer Fisher. You know what I mean? Like, Tim Means has been around in the game for a long time. Three losses in a row. You know, he's getting into his third, late 30s now. 
we'll see what happens, man. But in terms of the prelims, what, uh, what kind of performances do you want to go ahead and shout out? There was a lot of finishes, man. There's obviously a few fights in there were kind of like rough. But uh, kind of the big one I wanted to bring up, and he mentioned him last week, was Brian Battleman. Big comeback win after having a rough loss to Renat Frokhanov. And look, let me tell you this right now, guys. This is the perfect guy that you can see. There's levels to this shit. Because he came in, and he had a good fight against Trayshawn Gore. Trayshawn did tag him a little bit because he has a power, but Brian was winning that fight. A big win over Takashi Shoto with a head kick, kind of coming to sit, kind of reminiscent of Leon Edwards. And then you saw him fight a guy, Renat Frokhanov, Russian fighter, 20 and 2, fucking machine, dominate him. Mm-hmm. Beat the shit out of him on the ground. And then he comes in here against a guy in Gabe Green, gets him out of there in 14 seconds of the first round. Impressive as hell. He's had plenty of good performance in the UFC. Only one loss in there, and he's had, and he has a lot of growth too himself. I mean, he didn't have a lot of a uh, a lot of professional fights going into tough. He had a decently sized AMI background uh, with like eight or nine fights, and now you know he's uh he's learning. He's getting better. He's 28 years old, so you know he's hitting his prime years. Uh, he has stuff to work on, obviously, like we saw in his fight before this. But fuck, man, hell of a way to bounce back after a loss and kind of getting that one out of there. And look, he didn't suffer. Uh, I'm assuming a lot of damage. So I hope to see him there soon here in another three months. If I'm him, I'm asking for another fight. Mm-hmm. I agree. And Brian Battle is my fighter to watch for this week. Uh, <laughs> no, I mean, jokes aside, though, it was uh, it was an incredible win by him, dude. I mean, it, he's a guy that we, you kind of laid out his whole story there. Um, and coming off of tough, I wasn't entirely sure what his future was going to be. But, dude, he, he might end up being the guy that actually has the most potential. I mean, Andre's putting – putting some big wins together. Obviously, we're still uh, waiting to see him coming back. Uh, it's been, like, I think six months since his last fight. But Brian Battle, dude, I mean, he suffered his first, not first career loss, the first UFC loss last time out. And if you're looking for a rebound win, I mean, a 14-second right hook knockout, that's the fucking way to do it, dude. Um, absurd win by Brian, Brian Battle. Excited to see what he does next. You know, as far as the rest of the prelims go, we got to shout out Matt the Immortal Brown, dude. Matt Brown is 42 years old. He has been fighting since fucking 2005, and he's still out here earning huge knockout wins like this one, dude. Give me your thoughts on Matt Brown's win over uh, Corey McGee, dude. Fucking beautiful, man. Another finish. You might age, you might slow down, but the power doesn't leave you. It's the last thing to go, man. I agree. And it was clean, dog. It was clean right hook and just sat him down and no follow-up shots needed. Just It was a beautiful win, a beautiful win. And Matt Brown, uh, he tied Derek Lewis for most knockout wins in UFC history with 13. Um, you know, Matt Brown's a guy, not a guy I thought would have so much longevity, you know. Um, but he has, and props to him for that. You know, rest of the card, I mean, Douglas Silva Andrade picked up a win. Carl Williams defeating our boy Chase Sherman. That was it for him in the UFC. He got released yesterday. Not uh, the only one, she- though. <laughs> no, he was not. Also, Jessica Rose Clark, as well as Kim Jeon, all three of them lost on UFC Charlotte. And the UFC literally wasted a grand total of three days before giving them their walking papers. Damn, it's a, it's a tough business, man. But, I mean, if you look at those, at those guys, the gals' record, I mean... You know, you kind of understand where it's coming from, you know. Not oh, no, disrespect. no, I get it. I absolutely get it. Yeah, not to disrespect the, them, but, I mean, it makes sense. 
Uh, obviously rough for them. Uh, obviously a lot of, I think a lot of good things came out of this card. And I was obviously sad for the guys who ended up leaving. Um, but that's just how this business goes, man. It's cutthroat. That's true. That, that is true. And uh, overall, though, let me just kind of redirect back to the card. It was a fun one. Uh, but we do have another card coming up this weekend, UFC Vegas 73. We're going back to the Apex for a women's strawweight main event between Mackenzie Dern and Angela Hill. Mackenzie Dern, obviously the jiu-jitsu ace, coming off a loss to Yan Xiaonan by majority decision. Prior, to, I mean, she's had a couple of close fights, man, recently. Ever since she moved up to the top level in April 2021, she's proved that she's belonged. She submitted Nina Nunes, who I believe is top five at the time. And then she lost Marina Rodriguez, a close decision. Beat Tisha Torres, another close decision. Lost to Neon Shonan, another close decision. Ding on Angela Hill. Much of the same story. Overkill. Uh, fought to a decision in her last, like, eight fights. The vast majority of those were split decisions. Is running a two-fight winning streak. Emily Ducote and Lupita Godinez, who, funnily enough, are fighting on the undercard here. Uh, what do you think about this main event, man? It was a short-notice one originally. Is going to be Raquel Pennington and Irene Aldana, who we're going to make an event. Uh, Aldana has since received a short-notice title shot against Manny Nunez. Yep. Uh, look, so. man, uh, kind of to hop right into it, I'm going to cut you off a little bit there. I, I think Mackenzie Dern is the gal for this fight right now. Uh, we've seen Angela Hill be submitted in the past. It's been quite a while, though. Obviously, we kind of talked in the pre-show about who they were. Rose Namajunas, Carlos Barza, Random Marcos, quite a while ago now. None of them in recent time. I believe those were the three. I could have mixed it up. There could be one of those in there that's wrong. Uh, a lot of decisions coming the way of Angela Hill. Some that should have been hers and some of them who probably, you could argue, should have been hers. But uh, that's just kind of been the, the recent journey of Angela Hill's uh, professional fight career. Uh, look, the big thing for me, this is every time I think Mackenzie fights, is like, hey, we know what you can do. Can you get it to the ground? Okay, have your takedowns have gotten, you know, have they become more dynamic? Have you gotten more trips? Have you, what are your options? You know, working your striking into your takedowns. And I, I one thing that I'm very happy, we've seen this as a return, is she's kind of found more comfort in the stand-up, being able to stand with her opponent. And, uh, but it's a matter of mixing it all together and making it work. If she can kind of replicate some stuff that Verna Jenner Roebuck did against Angela Hill, I could definitely see a path of victory with Mackenzie Dern here. For Angela Hill, obviously she knows what she's got to do. Avoid the ground. Be proactive. Have output. Make the fight as yours as much as possible. Never let it be Mackenzie's. And don't let the scorecards dictate this fight if you can. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think you laid it out there pretty well. You mentioned that if Mackenzie Dern can follow... Uh, somewhat of a similar game plan to Verna Junijarova. She'll have a path to victory. I think she is, and I'm actually going to take Mackenzie Dern here uh, to get the win. Um, I don't know how, though. Uh, that's kind of the interesting thing. It's a very, you know, I saw some people shitting on this main event. I think this fight's incredibly compelling, dude. For five rounds, like, I'm very interested to see how this one goes. I'm going to take Mackenzie Dern here uh, very slightly. You know, gun to my head type of decision. But I think Angela Hill, dude, she kind of fell into this fight, like, not necessarily fell in because she won two in a row, and it made sense for her to get a top, you know, step up. But the fact that this is a main event, it's a bigger fight now, and she kind of fell into this one. She's only ranked, or correctly, she's ranked 14, dude. So, it's just, wow. according to her wiki, she may have moved up within the last week, but according to uh, her wiki, which was updated at the start of the month, she was number 14. Mackenzie Dern, ranked number 8. There's a big chance for Angela Hill to jump back into the uh, the top of the division here with a win. Do you think she'll be able to get that 
Uh, I, I don't believe so, man. I think Mackenzie Dern's going to get this one done. I will say, though, do not be surprised if Angela Hill sneak this one out with a decision win. Yeah, same page here. I think this is a very winnable fight for Angela Hill. Very, very winnable. So we'll see what happens there. Um, co-main event, dude, all, very interesting fight. Edmund Shabazian, who, 25 years old, still a relatively young prospect, even considering his uh, his rough losing streak there. He did come off a win over uh, Delta Lamgulia in December. Knockout win. That one ended a three-fight losing streak. King on Anthony Fluffy Hernandez, 29 years old, riding a three-fight winning streak. Marc-Andre Burial, Josh Rumden, and Rodolfo Vieira. Obviously a lower step down in competition uh, for, you know, Shabazian's last fight, and obviously this one. But Anthony Hernandez is still a dog, man. What do you think about this fight? No, no, Anthony Hernandez is definitely a live dog, man. Has uh, a lot of jiu-jitsu abilities, as we've seen. And obviously he took uh, Rodolfo Vieira's uh, neck, man. He got a submission over win. Massive upset. Crazy money made on that if you bet on Fluff Hernandez via submission. For me, man, I think the big thing is that Edmund Shavazian has taken this, the decision to move away from the gym he's at, go to extreme, that he was at, and go to extreme couture, and we've seen him benefit him. Uh, he looked great in his last fight against Dacha Lumingbubula. Kind of rough. I tried, man. <laughs> I tried. He had a rough out against Nazarene Imamov, Jack Hermansen, Derek Brunson before that. For me, I just thought those fights were too much too soon for a young kid. Uh, you got to keep in mind, man, Edmund Shabazian's only 25. He turned 25 last year. <laughs> he has a very, very long career ahead of him, and he's a very good talent who had gotten a very impressive win in Brad Tavares before going into those harder fights afterwards. Uh, I think he's going to come back and get another a big one against Anthony Hernandez. I know Anthony Hernandez is running his own win streak, but Edmund Shabazian is to show why he was the young prospect in this division. Yeah, that's, that's similar to how uh, I fall on this fight. I'm surprised that Shabazian is an underdog. Um, you know, I like Anthony Hernandez, but I haven't seen that Anthony Hernandez can fight at the top level of the division. I've seen that Edmund Shabazian can. Now, can he consistently stay there in his early 20s? No, which is why this fight's happening. Um, but I think that he has the greater heights. I think Anthony Hernandez has had a couple of nice wins, but I don't think it's going to be enough. I'm going to go ahead and take Edmund Shabazian here to go and pick up the win. But... It's a very close fight, and there's also a bunch of interesting fights uh, lower on the card, man. Which fights do you, do you most want to talk about? Man, we got to talk about Andre Fiala, Joaquin Buckley, Josh. We're getting spoiled with this one. The official 170 debut of Joaquin Buckley in the UFC. Uh, Andre Fiala was a guy, man, who came in hot in UFC, man. There's like four or five fights in like, what, six months? Something crazy like that. Honestly, I'm exaggerating a little bit here, but... It was a wild start to the career, man. We're talking about uh, a fight opening up against Michelle Baez, uh, Michelle Pejea, following it up with a win over Miguel Baez, uh, Cameron Vadkamp, Jake Matthews, and we got a you know, we got a little five month break in there because you know fighting every you know what a month apart was a little too much, and uh, we got a fight against the Muslim Muslim Salikov, which ending in a spinning back kick, uh, sick like highlight finish, running a two fight losing streak. Let's see if he can bounce back, man, because he wasn't looking bad in his Michelle Pahea fight. The Jacob Matthews one was looking, you know, it was looking all right. Muslim Salikov one wasn't going bad until the finish came. Uh, so let's kind of see if uh, Andre Fiala can bounce one, bounce back in this one against Joaquin Buckley. But even then, Joaquin Buckley trying to make a statement at 170 after leaving 185. 
Yeah, I mean, you meant you highlighted that fight. Obviously, going to be a banger, dude. And one thing I do want to go ahead and uh, one thing I want to go ahead and know: um, Walking Buckley. Oh shit! I just had it. Never mind. Never mind. I was going to say I was going to say something I recently read about Walking Buckley, but now I lost it. Um, never mind. Uh, but regardless, the rest of the UC Charlotte uh, card, top to bottom, is pretty fun. One fight I do want to go ahead and highlight: Emily Ducote. Lupita Godinez, which I actually did, funnily enough, just mention because they both lost to Angela Hill uh, in their recent fights. That one's going to be a banger, dude. Emily Ducote, uh, she is coming off that loss to Angela Hill, but she won four fights in a row and evicted before that. Uh, one in the UFC, obviously, against Jessica Pinay. Lupita Godinez, Lupi, becoming a fan. Well, she's becoming a fan fragment of my heart. I'll put it like that. I don't know I don't know if everybody else is a fan of Lupi, but uh, Angel, you, are you a fan of Lupi? Yeah, I like, I like watching her fight. Who doesn't like Luby, dude? Every she fights all the time, you know. Always fun, always out there putting on a show. She's gonna be back, um, you know. Looking at the rest of the card, you you and me disagree on this one. Hayester Mashesete taking on Veslev Borishev. Uh, that's gonna be a fun fight. Low key banger on the main card. Both those guys have lost a couple of fights recently. They both need the win. And, uh, you know, for, for all, each of our betting accounts. I, mean, I can't remember. Did you put any scratch on Borshev or not? I uh, might have on one of my parallelities. Yeah, so there we go. So I have Masha Tate. So we'll see, we'll see which of us loses money over the weekend. One, uh, I mean, one of us will 100%. I mean, Josh, you could, you know, go to a no contest. Oh, and then And then the parlay is saved. <laughs> right. Like, <laughs> like Jan Bohovic versus uh, Magomed Ankalaev. I, I wanted I wanted Uncle Ad to win, but whenever it was a draw, you know, it's just yeah, I can't complain too much. Um, <laughs> I mean, rest of the card: Carlos Davidson, Michael Johnson, two bets going at it. Uh, the prelims, honestly, more interesting to me than a couple of those fights on the main card. Carolina Kokovic taking on Vanessa Diamopoulos. Vanessa Diamopoulos got a big highlight on the UFC channel due to her uh, past um, her prior job as an executive exotic. Exotic dancer. I'm trying to not say the other term at, to, to be respectful. She was an exotic dancer before getting to UC. They gave her a whole highlight package on the channel, so that shows that they they see something in Vanessa Diamopoulos. Angel, what do you think about her return? No, yeah, I mean she got a lot of attention with her post fight interviews, uh, obviously her story and talking about that openly and just being very comfortable about it. And she's actually gotten some wins within the UC, so there you go. I mean it's it's kind of the perfect. Uh, Mash right there. Uh, but kind of to take the light a little bit away from you, Josh, I'm going to give my highlight fighter of the week going into the card. It's no other than Chase Hooper, the dream. No longer the teenage dream, just the dream. Making his move up to 155 to fight. You've seen, I guess not really a UFC newcomer because he already has one fight under. Uh, Nick Fiore, 6-1. and one. Chase Hooper, I saw on his Instagram, he's been putting in that work in the gym. Lifting those weights, trying to build up his body for 155. Saw some pictures of Michael Chiesa, you know, maybe working out there in Illinois. Maybe he's put some work in with Juliana Pena as well. Bilal Muhammad, there's a lot of good fights in the Chicago, Illinois area. So, obviously, I'm assuming he's trying to work on his takedowns and wrestling going forward. I'm excited to see, man, how's Chase going to look after his little, uh, little fight skid there. Also, the way, the, the move up to 155, how much better is he going to look? Or if at all, better in any way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, he's he's a guy that's interesting, Chase Hooper. Um, he's managed to, i got to be honest with you, I did not expect Chase Hooper to last in the UFC. You know, he came in, he, he got a couple of big wins, but after, like, I want to say the Steven Peterson fight, I was like, 
eh, you know, like, you know, we'll see what happens. But then he ended up getting a big one for like Felipe Corrales, and he actually showed his striking. He got smashed last time by Steve Garcia, but Steve Garcia is actually putting together a run right now. So I'm interested to see what Chase Hooper does, man, in his return. Um, a couple of other fights to go ahead and note. Orion Kosi versus Gilbert Urbina should be a banger. Ilya Latifi, Rodrigo Masamento. Uh, Natalie Silvia taking on Victoria Leonardo. And then uh, the return of Takashi Soto happening also on the prelims. There's a couple of nice fights here, man. I mean, it's, it's not exactly the greatest card, you know? I mean, it's not anything that will blow your hair back necessarily, but there are some, if you're, if you're a UFC fan, you got some stuff to look forward to on Saturday night. I'll put it like that. But, Angel, unless you have any closing thoughts, we do have some more recaps, but not in the UFC. We have one in the world of boxing, one in the world of Bellator. Because over the weekend, at the Wembley Arena in London, England, KSI taking on Joe Fournier in the main event of uh, Misfits Boxing 07. Uh, I mean, K- KSI went... <laughs> Full Muay Thai on his ass, man. <laughs> he went he went full John Jones on him, man. Lands the elbow in the second round. Devastating knockout win. What'd you think? Man, Josh, this this was absolutely heartbreaking, you know? Yeah. There's a, there's no going this was absolutely fucking heartbreaking. Because he was looking so good. And and look, I remember the fight ended, and we at that moment when when the finish happened. You couldn't tell that it was an elbow. You were just, he went down, you were like, oh fuck! Oh fuck, what just happened? Yeah. What did he get him with? And, you know, you're, you're, everybody's like, you know, they're trying to get the replay, you know, everybody's celebrating. It's going, it's going. Alright, alright, he tagged us. Wait. What? What the fuck? It was an elbow! Fuck! You're just, dude, other disappointment. Absolute letdown. I, I don't even know what to say, man. Yeah, I mean, I will say I had the same reaction. I was watching the live, and I was like, oh, fuck, right hand. Oh, my God, he killed him. He killed him. Like, just, <laughs> it's just the right – I thought it was, a sm- it was a small right hook. You know, I mean, I think uh, – so two things. I think, obviously, this fight's going to be overturned with no contest, um, as it should be. Um, uh, but people act like it's one thing or the other. Like, sometimes I feel like people just can't use critical thinking. Like, two things can be true at the same time. Like, this fight should be a no contest because the elbow landed. But also, J.J. was clearly winning the fight. He had just rocked him in the finishing sequence, and it was an accidental elbow that only happened because Joe Fournier was was trying to clinch when J.J. was charging in. Like, one thing led to another. It is what it is. I'm not overly angry about it. I don't understand that people that are overly angry about it. I mean, um, I don't know, man. Uh, I think it, it sucks – that's the way it went. I think that we all kind of – I was iffy on uh, if Joe Fournier could win this fight or not. Admittedly, I, I wasn't sure. I mean, I, I thought that he had some talent, but – and obviously he had the record and yada, yada, yada. But he was older. and There wasn't anything that he showed me on fight night that made me think that fight was going to go any differently. You know? Um, that being said, he ended up getting uh, – staying in the ring and had a face-off with – Tommy Fury afterwards, man. Uh, is that the fight that you want to see? Is that the fight to make? I don't know if we're going to really get that or not. I mean, it's possible. But, I mean, if JJ wants it, then so be it, man. If he get a, if he could do something against Tommy Fury that uh, Jake couldn't, 
then sure. But my big thing is though is like, dude, one thing that no one's ever thought about is like JJ has not fought like in any weight class near what uh what Jake fights. Like what we said, the big thing for me, Jake doesn't uh or JJ's not uh I think I said Jake is what I really meant to say JJ. JJ does not fight at a the, the weight class that uh Jake fights. So many J's, dude. This shit is so hard. Jesus Christ. <laughs> that is the big thing for me. JJ is a, a lighter fighter. He's supposed to fight at a lighter weight class. I think that's where his cardio shines the most. And he's able to have the most output. Better than fighting at a higher weight class. I think, uh, I don't have it pulled up right here, but for me, that, that's always been the big thing that no one ever mentions, uh, is the weight class. And who knows if JJ can bring down Tommy Fury in weight and, uh, and do his whole no hydration clause and pull the fucking whole boxing move, then maybe he has a chance of doing something here. Is it exactly kind of what I want next? I don't know, man. I really don't know what I want to see for, for JJ next. I think any option at this point, I want to see him be active. I want to see him be in there and get reps against guys that uh that will give him a hard time. I think Joe Maria was an interesting one because it was a guy who was older and had uh some experience. And like I said, I tried to mention it. I tried to compare it last week to kind of the Ben Askren, but not different. Because, it was different because Ben didn't have uh any striking and joe had actually boxed and had some understanding of boxing so i kind of try to equate it to that uh for me i love to see jj get some reps against someone who's a lower level than uh or a higher level than joe fournier or some other guy like like anderson anderson someone with some who will actually test jj kind of how jake had to dig a little deep when he was fighting anderson silva Yeah, and, I mean, this is not going to be the case of him having to dig deep, because if he fights Tommy Fury, he's just not going to beat him, you know? Um, I mean, we never that, know. We never know. I mean, that's... that's no, no, I know. We never we never know. And, and at this low level of combat, basically anything can happen, but, I mean, I'd pick Tommy... I think Tommy Fury wins that fight nine out of ten times, similar similar to the Jake Paul fight as well, you know? Um, I just think he's an actual boxer, and I think that... Also, but like I told you, like I, I the other thing is those guys aren't in the same weight class, which is the big thing for me. It's something that never gets mentioned, ever. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's and then, well, to be fair, that's because weight classes aren't really a real thing in influencer boxing. You know, mm-hmm. they're not really any. They can meet in the middle. They always meet in the middle because it's yeah. Not they, 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 they try to for the most part. Yeah, I'd say. Yeah, they never because there's never been a fight that's major enough for them to have to like. Try and meet to have a to have the problem of meeting in the middle either because of a title or you know yeah. like some of those other reasons why that has to happen in boxing. I'm not. I don't think the weight's an issue at all. I think the only actual issue is that they're going to have to get sanctioned because Misfits is sanctioned by the PBA. And people say the PBA is not a real organization. Like they're, they're a real organization. They're a real sanctioning body. If you fight in the U.S., they're sanctioned by PBA and it shows up on box rec. But the UK is much more strict about the way they sanction boxing events, which is why the BB, the British Boxing Board uh, Commissions, handles just about everything, and that's why misfits fights in the UK don't show up on boxing. If that makes sense. But essentially, they're probably gonna have to go through the, the British Boxing Board Commission and make that fight happen um, if they want on both their pro records. And I know that they're pretty iffy about sanctioning people with, you know, such little experience. So I, that's why I don't know if that fight will happen. Um, but you know, that being said, that being said, I, uh, I think that if you're looking at what's next, I think it's the most likely fight for JJ. Um, because who else would he fight, dude? I mean, Jake versus Nate's done. I mean, like that's a done deal. And 
Like who who else who else could KSI fight? A Joe Fournier rematch, but I don't know how much interest there is for that. I mean, I don't I don't know. I mean, they could make it happen, but uh, if they if they actually do or don't, I don't know. Yeah. They're not wrong. They're not wrong about that. But yeah, no, I just I, I don't know what the next option is. I feel like uh, before this fight, we knew there was a few options. We could have seen him do another a different influencer. Obviously, threw Joe Fournier out there, but I wasn't convinced on it, and it ended up happening. Uh, now I don't know. Because uh, like I'm saying, I, I think he needs to get some time in there, some experience. If you're, if they actually want JJ to succeed going forward, and actually box uh, box Jake and beat him, they need to get him in there and get him some reps. Like yeah, in the gym and all that, and and this new style and everything he's showing. And you know, it's funny, man. We last time he got that uh that finish. And it was reminiscent, and it was funny because we saw a bunch of highlights of, of him being compared to MVP. Fucking, we get there on fight night, and who's in the fucking corner? No one else, yeah. no, no other guy than, than fucking Michael Venom fucking Page. So, I mean, we see where the style came from and where the inspiration's being drawn. Yeah. One quick thing I want to actually ask you, um, slightly off topic. I see people show on uh, KSI's boxing technique all the time. What do you think about that? What do, what do you think about his sort of improvement and the fact that he's always so wild and, and, and so on and so forth? You know, it's crazy. He looks so different and odd now compared to when he first started, but I feel like he looks significantly better with his unique style that he did than when he did when he first started. Mm-hmm. That's, you know, you know what's interesting is I kind of agree, but I also feel like people that say that are kind of missing, people that like shit on JJ's boxing technique, I don't want to say they're missing the point, but they're kind of missing the point. You know what I mean? Um, I think for his style, he was never going to be a a fucking an actual boxer. He just you can't learn that stuff in your mid twenties. And it's the same thing for Jake Paul. Like Jake Paul has gotten further than I expected. Him trying to become a legitimate boxer, um, the KSI was never that was never going to happen for him. So they're, instead, they're doing they're letting him use his athleticism. They're letting him use his sort of unorthodox style, and it's working better for him than I think if he tried to go the Jake Paul style of acting, like and fighting like an actual boxer. You know. Mm-hmm. But I mean, and, I don't know, and there's been guys at the high level who've had been unique and found their own success by being different. You know, obviously, and this is a lower level, man. You know, people are always going to expect the traditional and normal. So there's nothing wrong with being different and unique and making it work to your assets. And that's what he's doing. You know what I mean? Like, when he came out, like, if, oh, dude, when he came out, I was like, what the fuck? You know, I wasn't hating on it. I, was like, I mean, I don't know. They might have some plot, you know. And then when I saw MVP, it made more sense. But I'm like, I mean, shit, it's, it's worked the last three fights. So mm-hmm. I, I, it's, it's, it's functional to him right now. Whatever will have to change will have to change, but as long as as long as it works for what they're doing, then what's the issue? You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. The, the thing is, like, people are saying like he's gonna get hurt one of his days. Like, yeah, but JJ has never said that he wants to become world champion. He's not doing the Jake Paul strategy. Of, yeah. I'm gonna fuck up this boxing champion and Arthur better be you're a bitch. You know, like he's never said and, that. He's just and, I, I want to uh, yeah. fight Jake Paul. And on top of that, he's actually made fun of Jake for saying stuff like that. Exactly. He's like, dude, what the fuck are you saying? Like, <laughs> do you really think you're going to beat these guys? Like, never. I mean, I, you know, Jake at least is calling out people who've been in influencer boxing, you know? Yeah, I agree. I agree. But, I mean, look, man, rest of the card, uh, there was a big upset. Obviously, uh, Saul Poppy lost to Anthony Taylor. Deji defeated Swarms. What uh, what fights do you most want to talk about, man? 
I mean, for Deji, man, kind of what I expected. He looked good again. Uh, it was nice seeing him continue kind of uh, uh, this little win streak he has going. And uh, going forward, I mean, who else are they going to give him? I mean, that's a big thing for me. I loved, uh, I can't wait to see him get back in there finally now that he's finding some success and improved his boxing skills. And actually, for him who's younger than JJ, kind of building a more traditional boxing foundation, you know, and making it work, which is a, another big thing for me. And the whole Saul Poppy thing, I mean, I guess there were some issues with the contract and it was unsatisfied. I was really not a fan of this fight because it was only three rounds. And my other big thing that I told people is like, Pretty Boy's never been knocked out ever in his professional combat career, MMA or boxing. Mm-hmm. So if Saul Poppy does that, I'm like, that's a big highlight and there's a big fight for Saul Poppy. But I, I didn't even know it was, it was three rounds going into the fight. I felt like they really dropped the ball letting that fight be three rounds. And no hate to Pretty Boy Taylor, man. He did what he had to do. Was it exciting? No. But he he fought the proper style to get get that W, man, and I, I got to respect it. You know, he did what he had to do. Yeah, I mean, fair enough, man. I, I generally just think that um, I, I kind of – I feel like Salt Poppy is a victim of his own expectations. You know, I think this guy only took up boxing a year and a half ago, two years ago, and he's earned some excellent wins. I mean, highlight real knockouts – beating the guy in Josh Bruckner who towered over him and had MMA experience. He's earned some excellent wins. But like I said, victim of his own expectations here. This fight was not that great, and he did lose. But, like, it was not the worst loss in the world. He's going to come back, and I expect that he's still one of – I think he's still one of the greatest guys in this game, you know. And I think the round thing, apparently, that was a salt poppy decision. From what I've heard, that was salt poppy. If he wanted to fight more rounds, he wanted to get paid more money. And they – that that did not end up happening. So that's that's why this fight was only three rounds. It is what it is. Um, disappointing to see it go down that way. But I think he's going to be back, dude. And for Anthony Taylor, huge win, friend of the show. Shout out, shout out, uh, shout out, pretty boy, man. Um, but Angel, I mean, the real the real main event, if we're being completely honest, was the main. Oh event of the my Pretty god. Lips. The real main event was the main event of the Pretty Lips. His wings of redemption goes out there, wrapping his way to the ring. I mean, you want to talk about a fucking showman? <laughs> And wraps his way to the ring as a 400-pound man and then gets a second-round knockout win. This was basically the spectacle that I wanted it to be. It was a complete shit show, and I loved every second of it. What would you think, man? I hated every second of it. And I think everybody on Twitter hated every second of it, too. Yeah, it was great, right? <laughs> what? No, but I mean, it, it, like I told you, dude, I could have bet my life savings – my future money on Wings of Redemption winning this fight. I could have bet everything I own and everything I have in my position to win this, you know, to, um, to have Wings of Redemption win this fight. And <laughs> I, would, I would bet literally everything that I own. <laughs> and, I, I was, and I was more than comfortable with that decision. Yeah, I mean, um, what, what I will go ahead and, and, and say is that I did not expect it to be close. It was not close. And, uh, I mean, good for wings, I guess, man. I mean, I saw, I saw people out there though. I saw people who were talking about this fight that like, Keem basically made this fight because he wanted to get probably the Happy Punch logo out there to get the name out there. And they succeeded too because this fight did insane numbers. So props to them. Props to both of them for stepping in there, man. Um, I think just about everybody knew how this fight was going to go, but shout out to Boogie for showing up anyway, I guess. Um, yeah, man. Any closing thoughts on the KSI 48 card before we go ahead and move on? I thought it was overall pretty, pretty good. You know, it was, it was good. Just, just good. But, 
Man, I think I think it just kind of got ruined with the ending of the main event, man. That's all it was with the fucking elbow. Yeah, fair enough, man. That's that's about how I feel as well. Um, but there was there is more combat to go over. Belcher 296. We did not preview this card, so for that reason, we're not really going to spend much time on it. However, I do think we should talk about the main event because in the main event. Fabian Edwards picking up a decision win over Gegard Mousasi, and then afterwards having a stare down with middleweight champion Johnny Eblen. That fight is next. We think about Fabian Edwards picking up the win, and also Fabian Edwards now has the chance to join his brother Leon as a champion. Oh, man. Uh, no, I mean, great win for Fabian. Uh, did very well. His comeback. It's been a very hard man ever since we've seen Austin Vatter for back last year around this time. Uh, he needed this one uh, to, to get right up there for that title show opportunity. He got it, man. A big one over the legend in Leo Machida, Charlie Ward, and another legend in Gegard Musasi, setting him perfect for the Johnny Eblen fight in no other than Dublin, Ireland, Josh. Uh, all eyes on them. Big time fight. Uh, overall performance is good. I feel like one thing that we finally saw in this fight was, dude, I think out of all, you know, Gegard's, you know, been a little older. You know, he's been on uh, on that kind of like tail end of his career potentially, but still sticking on and doing very well and being hyper competitive. But this is the first time I ever saw Gegard and I'm like, damn, I feel like now he officially is slow. Like he he looks slower than Fabian, in my opinion. And I'm like, damn, this this we're at that point. I think the age hit him in this fight. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, he uh, he looked slow. Like, that's the one thing that is unavoidable. And uh, I don't – I hate to say it, dude, but this is the first time where I looked at Gegard Musasa and I just went, like, fuck, man. Like, that's it. Like, Gegard's in that stage of his career now. The, the, the stage. You know the stage, you know, where he's just – he's too old, man. He's too old to compete. And he's just had so many fights at the top level. He's had 60 career fights. 60. He's won 49 of those motherfuckers, man. And for him to uh, still be doing it at 37 years old, you got to give him props. But, dude, that that clock was going to run out sooner rather than later. But he did kind of fall off a cliff, man. I mean, to go from knocking out Austin Vanderford inside of a round to losing all five rounds against Johnny Ebelman and then losing nearly all five rounds to Fabian Edwards as well. Uh, just incredibly disappointing, but that's the way it goes, man. That's uh, that's life, and that's aging. Uh, as far as Belt 296, the rest of the card goes, man, I mean, we saw Douglas Lima get back in the win column. Brett Primus pick up an episode win. Which fights uh, do you most want to highlight? Oh, man, dude. Saul Rogers, Davy Allen ending in a fucking no contest. Fucking heartbreaking. I, it was an illegal strike, right, afterwards uh, on the – was this the one on the ground, right, where he needs yeah. him on the ground? But Dabby pulls up his knee, so it kind of pushes into his head. Uh, shitty way for it to end, man. Fucking heartbreaking. I thought Russell Rogers would get a nice win at 155, and it just gets ended in, in a no contest. It's just fucking heartbreaking. You mentioned in there Brent Bremen's getting an upset win over Monster Barnaway. Dude, that fight was a banger, and it was looking good. Brent Primus came on later on and was able to close it out. That one was heartbreaking for me, man. I thought Monster Barnaway was going to be the truth right now with 55. A lot of people being disappointed, man. A lot of people talking shit on Twitter being like, man, biggest fraud, yada, yada, this, this, and that. I'm like, you got to think about it. The guy was away from the sport for a while, man. We signed uh, with uh, Bellator not so long after his went at Road FC tournament. Came in, got a huge win against Adam Pellicolotti, a, a submission ace himself. And... uh 
he goes into this fight against Brent Primus in the tournament, and it, it just slips away, man. Uh, it is what it is. I'm sure we'll see him back. He goes out early in the first round of the tournament, but there's plenty of time to return to 155 and get a, title, a potential title shot. Mm-hmm. Yeah, man. I mean, that was a that was a big win uh, for Brent Primus, and also just, I mean, honestly, more than anything, I was just happy to see him win. You know what I mean? I mean, this is a guy that wasn't even a part of the tournament. I remember whenever um, that was a, the tournament was announced, he kind of did an interview. He was like, "Man, I can't. I'm a former champion. I mean, you know, I'm still ranked, and they just forgot about me." Um, so the fact that they went ahead and brought him after Sydney Outlaw tested positive, the fact that he got another win, huge. So happy for him, man. Um, as far as the rest of the Bellator card goes, it was a solid one. Uh, these, this is in Paris, France. They even had the, uh, the press conference at the Eiffel Tower. So that was pretty sick. Um, Bellator, you know, like, like we talked about recently, they are not bigger than the UC and they know that. They've actually done a very good job at, Whenever they go somewhere, they make it feel like a big deal. Like this Paris card, whenever they go to Ireland, it's a big deal. Whenever they go to the UK, it's a big deal. Um, so yeah, man, big card by him, by them, and it was it was a fun one. But Angel, we do have uh, the biggest news uh, of the week, and luckily we waited. We normally film on Tuesday, we waited until Wednesday, and it's a good thing because the predator. Francis Ngannou, the former UFC heavyweight champion, the first hev- the first reigning champion to leave the UFC since BJ Penn 19 years ago. His free agency is now over. He has signed with the PFL. He retains his ability to box. Furthermore, he will help lead a fighter advocacy board as well as help launch PFL Africa and also, there's a little clause in there that his opponent, whoever faces him in the PFL, will make over $1 million against him automatically. In case somebody's curious, the Houston main event that we talked about, Yarzina Rosenstrike and Jailton Almeida both made under $200,000. So, I just feel like I should throw that out there. So, what do you think about, uh, what do you think about Big Fran? Go ahead and head it on over there, man. It's official now. Look, man, I, I think one thing that people need to understand is, yes, you know, Francis got this big offer in the UFC, was getting these opportunities, had this chance of building a, a big legacy, but he wanted more, and people were like, well, he's being great, he gotta, there's sometimes, you gotta think about it though, he wasn't being selfish, he was being selfish in some ways, but he was also trying to be selfless, mm-hmm. and people, I don't think people understand that, and people want people to be selfish all the time. But sometimes it's better to be selfless and help other people so we all win. And I think that's what Francis Ngannou has done by going to the PFL. I agree. And I also feel like a lot of the people that are mad about Ngannou's situation, they're not arguing in good faith. You know what I mean? Like, there's not an answer that I could give to somebody who hates Francis Ngannou and his decision to sign with the PFL that's going to change their mind. You know what I mean? Because before he signed, it was all about, like, you know, oh, he fumbled the bag. Nobody's going to pay him. And now that we know he's getting paid, you know, seven figures a fight, he's getting this, he's getting that, he's retaining his ability to box, he's going to have a boxing announcement soon. He's getting everything he wanted. Now it's, oh, your legacy's bad. Francis Ngannou's legacy is fine. That, that's a crazy thing to say. I, I, I've never understood. Like, people are, now they're trying to turn it into, like, Francis Ngannou, his legacy. He hasn't beaten John Jones, or he's not going to have. Like, I thought it was money, like, three minutes ago. Now it's like his legacy's not good enough. Like, 
And his and his legacy's fine. I mean, you look at his resume, Cyril Gon, former champion. Secret Miocic, former champion. Junior Dos Santos, former champion. Cain Velasquez, former champion. Alistair Overeem, former champion. Andre Arlovsky, former champion. Like, his resume and his, his legacy's fine. And him leaving right now provides him a chance to build an even bigger legacy outside of the cage. Like, Angel, I mentioned critical thinking. I'm seeing a lot of people dunk on him right now. They're saying, who is he going to fight? And I think that's a fair question. You know, I've seen some people making the joke, like, he's going to fight Maurice Green, or he's going to fight one of these other PFL heavyweights, which we know are not of a top-tier caliber. But the clause that everybody is missing in Francis Ngannou's contract is that his opponent will make over $1 million a fight. Over $1 million. I, I believe just about every single UFC heavyweight outside of the top ones, I'm talking John Jones, Stephen Miocic, um, they're not making a million dollars. In fact, I just mentioned it. Yarzino Rosenstrike and Jelton Almeida made a combined $230,000 combined over the weekend. And if you fight Francis Ngannou in the PFL, you're guaranteed a million dollars. So they're going to get somebody. The only question is, is who is he going to be? And for me, that's an even, that's, that's the big question. That's the thing I'm very interested in seeing. I mean, if you had to guess, like, who do you think, Francis Ngannou? Throw some potential names out there, man. I mean, I think we're going to have to see some pro-promoting, Josh. Maybe some, you know, crossover in sport, you know, potentially. I know that's kind of out there, but, hey, man, if money's on the line, people will go for it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and not even just co-promotion in other sports, but co-promotion with MMA. I mean, we could see, I don't know, Bellator. You know, Bellator's already done some co-promotion. One FC is always talking a lot of a lot of stuff about potentially doing something. Let's see, let's see if that's true, Chatri. Let's see if that's true. You know, mm-hmm. there. I feel like there well, is. He said he won't co-promote without with with anybody but the UFC because they're just they're the two top ones and nothing else makes sense. Well, we'll see, man. We'll see if that's true. You know, uh, you know, opportunities are put out there, and if you don't take them, then that's people. You know, that's your own mistake. Mm-hmm. Um, you could say you could say that now, but hey, man. Dana said there'd never be women in the UFC. Dana said all these things, and look at what happened. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. A lot of things have been said from our lifetime in anything. That something's not going to happen. This is not going to happen, and things have happened. So yeah. don't 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 ever don't ever think don't don't ever take everything at face value. Um, yeah, I don't necessarily disagree. I, I think they could bring people in. I mean, obviously, dude, who doesn't want to potentially fight for a million dollars? You know. I think you'd be a fool not to take that try. Fuck, dude. Can I fight Francis? Like, I'll go down so quick, dude. Like, I'll go in there and, dude, you, it'll be some Ali ghost punch type shit, dude. Like, he didn't even see that shit coming, bro. Like, damn, he, he went down so quick. Angel, you're, you're, you're not giving yourself enough confidence. Me personally, when I get in there with Francis and got him, I just see red, bro. I just, I just see red. And that, he he won't be able to stop what I'm gonna do. I I can't stop myself. You see, when I just get so amped up, I can't stop going. And Francis Ngannou, I will see you in the PFL smart cage trademark. Like just, just. <laughs> yeah. I mean, jokes aside, they are gonna get way more people to to. So, you see, Rob Wilkinson called him out. Jesus. Razor Rob said he said I don't give a. Fuck, I will fight Francis Ngannou. Razor Rob, dude. You know something that's typical as fuck? 
That that's that's honestly like just an absolute. Like, what a gangster! I love Razor Rod, dude. I think Rod, one of my favorite guys in MMA right now. Dead ass. He just has to put on another ten pounds, and he'll probably be a decent heavyweight. Exactly. He's got the frame. What if he just shows up shredded, like two forty five? <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> um. Anyways, man. Yeah. I mean, in terms of the Ngannou signing, there's not really much to add. We know that his debut is not going to happen until twenty twenty four. Heartbreaking. But that's also because he said he wants to have uh, his first boxing match before then and also allows for, you know, PFL to go sign another big So, Josh, does that mean that Francis Ngannou will compete in boxing at least at the latest by December of 2023? Is that what you're telling me, Josh? That is, I'm telling you that that will likely happen. In boxing, nothing is guaranteed. Nothing is guaranteed, but. You know what I have right now? A phoner. Are you rock hard with emotion right now? Yes. I mean, shit. I'm curious to see who the Balkan opponent is, man. How high profile they are. Yeah, I mean, there's a couple of... I actually did a piece recently for um, Sports Kita where I went ahead and ran down potential opponents. Like, he said that it's not going to be one of the big ones. He said it's not going to be Wilder, it's not going to be Fury, and it's not going to be um, Joshua. So he said that he's looking for a tune-up. Um and like, huh. when it comes to a tune-up, like I don't know really what he means. Like a tune-up for you know Anthony Joshua is different than the tune-up for Francis Ngannou. Like I don't know what he's gonna do. Like I could see him fight. Like you know, I actually pitched one. I actually pitched a fight, Angel. You know who I think he should fight? Otto Valine. No, 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 because Otto Valine will fuck him up. But I, I think it's it's one that nobody said. I think he should fight Marcellus Wilder, De- uh, Deontay's little brother. I didn't even know Deontay's little brother boxed. His, his little brother, he has a record of 6-3. and three. He's fought a couple of times on the undercard. He's not very good. Is he active at all? Uh, he fought in December, I think. Okay, I was about to say, if he's not active, this is the most trolley pick in the world. No, no, I genuinely think, I genuinely think if he wants to score a fight with Wilder or Fury, and those two seem to be the, the most that he's in close contact with, if he wants to genuinely score a fight with either one of those, I think he needs to fight... So, like have a connection there, you know, because mm-hmm. just being the MMA guy has is not been enough so far. Dude, do you think he goes to the brother Derek Chisoroa and then a big fight? I said he might go for Chisora, but I, I, I mean, I don't know. I don't think he wins that fight. I think it's too risky for him. I mean, who knows? I mean, it just depends what he wants to do. How confident he is, he is. You know, that's another thing we never talk about, dude. Like, how much does he believe in himself to actually do this? And he has to. He obviously has to because. Fuck, man, you're not just going to do this just to do it, you know, without wanting to find some sort of success, I'd, I'd imagine, you know? Yeah. And look, and, and, yeah, and look, and he's doing it the right way. He's taking so much time to try and, to try and make the move over. He's not trying to rush it, so that's good, but... Who's he I training do, with? Do we know? I do not know, no. Dude, what do you mean? His coach is Mike Tyson. <laughs> <laughs> but, I mean, we'll, we'll see, though. We will see. I mean, ultimately, I think... Uh, there's a, there's a lot of fights that they could do. This is hype as fuck, on. man. I just can't wait for that big boxing event whenever it happens. It's going to be big, Josh. It will get pay-per-view buys. I think people, like, that try to, like, you get all the UFC fanboys who don't understand, like, who've never, who've never stood up for anything in their life. And they're like, they, they're supporting the UFC over Ngannou. And I get, yeah, like, yeah, dude, like, he's not a big, he's so, not a big enough draw, Angel. He's not a big enough draw. But like, dude, Ngannou yes. consistently pulls in 300,000 pay-per-views. 
And that would literally make him one of the top ten boxing cells. That already makes him one of the top MMA cells. Like, dude, like people don't yeah. people have no idea. Like they think three hundred thousand is bad. Three hundred thousand for a pay per view. Break even is a hundred thousand. And for the UFC, break even considering they don't pay their fighters shit is more like fifty. You know, like the one confirmed pay per view that we know for Ngannou is that was a fight against Stevie three fifty. So for reference, Gervonta didn't hit over three hundred thousand until he fought Ryan. And now he's the face of boxing. So there you go. Um, Allegedly. <laughs> no, no, I'm, you know what I'm, you know what I'm saying though. That's no, what I'm saying. So. I know, I'm memeing. You're beer trolling. I know. Um, but uh, yeah, man. I mean, we do have two more uh, last quick hits to go ahead and go over. UFC 291 and UFC 292 were announced. Dana White got on his live stream, told everybody to watch Power Slap, and then told everybody what was actually important. Uh, UFC 291 going down July 29th, Delta Center, Salt Lake City, main event, Dustin the Diamond Poirier taking on Justin the Highlight Gagey. These two fought back in April 2018 with Poirier picking up the win. They're now going to rerun it, and Angel, the BMF title is on the line, baby. Let's go. Is it actually? (laughs) It is. It's on the line. Oh, my fucking God. I guess The vacant title. The vacant title at 155. Yeah, the vacant title I one fifty five. No, I mean this. Yeah, I'm down for this. Yeah, dude, same, same. Um, I think that uh, it's an excellent fight. I've been waiting for them to book it. However, I think we should. I mean, the bigger thing is just the two out- fights below it. By the way, yeah. Below by the way, the 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 fights out because not only is that fight going on, dude, you also have on the same card. You have Jan Vahovic, Alex Bahia, Tony Ferguson, Bobby Green, Paulo Costa with Ikram Alisakarov, Stephen Thompson, Michelle Bahia, Derek Lewis, Marcos Rogerio de Lima, and Michael Chiesa versus Kevin Holland. Dude, for a random pay-per-view in, like, late July, holy shit. What do you think, man? Top to bottom on this one. Strong, man, strong. And it's not even done being filled out yet, right? I mean, that's the other thing. There, there only more can be added to it. By the way, Pehea Blahovich, like, dude, like, you're not even wrong. Like, Alex is just, like, eternally wanting to ruin Izzy's men. So it's like, oh, you didn't beat Jan Blahovich at 205? I will beat Jan Blahovich at 205. I'm pretty sure the only reason he took this fight is to make it even funnier if he fights Izzy again and wins, you know? Like, <laughs> I know, I know, dude. It's the most trolly shit in the world. And, dude, instant high ranking. No, what is it, number five, number four, if he beats Blahovich? Yeah, he would be in the top five. That is insane. Again, man, that quick. And then Paula Costa Ikram Alisikirov. Bro, out of nowhere, right? He was like, yeah, something. Fuck it. We couldn't get Shamayev? Here you go, Paula. We'll give you money, too. Yeah, and we meant, we highlighted Ikram before his UFC debut. And it's really funny because now, like, the UFC knows that Ikram is the real deal, too. They want that Hamza Shamayev pretty match, too, my man, you know? That's what they're looking for. It's not a coincidence um, mm-hmm. that they're booking this fight so quick. L- listen, listen, listen to this, Josh. Ikram is fighting at 185, a top opponent, quicker than Hazman Shemaev has at 185. Damn, I didn't think about that. Yeah. Just to put it in perspective. By the way, finally, dude, after months and months of this fight being delayed, opponent changes, Stephen Wonderboy Wallinson, Michelle Pahea, big time fight for Michelle Pahea. Hard fight for Stephen Wonderboy Thompson as well, who's obviously, we've seen him, you know, he's older now. Has had some tough bats, but also found some great success, too, in recent time. 
Mm. Yeah, I mean, Wonder Boy is an interesting guy. Um, admittedly, I don't know where he is in that stage of his career because I really thought he was. I didn't know if he was coming or he was going, and then, you know, he had the fight with Kevin Holland where he just dominated, and it's like, I don't know, man. So this this Michelle LaHaye fight, that's a great booking. I'm surprised they're on the prelims. I'm surprised that Tony Ferguson and Bobby Green are on the main card. I mean, we just talked about Tony Ferguson getting the DUI, Bobby Green coming off a controversy of his own. Um, I'm surprised that they're putting those guys on the main card. I don't have a problem with it, but I'm just a little bit surprised, I guess. Um, yeah, man, I mean, this is a banger. This is a banger card, top to freaking bottom. Um, but Angel, they also announced UFC 292 in the same live stream. They announced UFC 292 at the TD Garden, Boston, Massachusetts, eight, uh, excuse me, not April, August 19th. Main event, Aljamain Sterling versus Sean O'Malley. Co-main event, Zhang Weili versus Amanda Limosh. Uh, very surprised that that's the fight for, uh, Weili Zhang. Um, and also surprised that Aljamain Sterling is doing the quick turnaround, and then it was already confirmed that he has not even agreed to the fight. So, uh, what do you think about UFC 292, though? Dang. That's hilarious. They're like, yep, this, this is what's gonna happen. Yeah, right? <laughs> they kinda, they kinda fucked him over, but you know, um, you know, he, he talked about in the MMA hour, he said, you know, like, normally I'm not down for short notice fights, but, you know, hey, I know his weakness. I know his weakness. He put the one time he was on his back, he looked like a fish out on land, you know? So they're already getting the talk started. What do you think of, I mean, for the main event, we kind of knew that was happening. What do you think about Amanda Limos for Zhang Weili next? I'm, probably, I'm pretty surprised about that booking. Yeah, they kind of fumbled the bag on this one, in my opinion. You know? Not going to lie to you. It's like, yeah, I mean, she lost to Jessica and drawn that to Longo, and Jessica has had, you know, two losses in a row right now. Um, a win over Michelle Watterson and Marina Rodriguez, which, look, if Marina Rodriguez would have won her fight, 100% it should have been Marina Rodriguez, or they could have just done Marina Rodriguez, and they're like, you know something? Fuck it. We we fucked up. Let's just go Whaley, Amanda Lemos. Uh, we're not going to try to delay Yan Shadon. And I guess the whole I guess the whole reason they went with her rather than Yan Shadon is the fact that Lemos is ready to go now, and they don't have to wait. But still, I mean, it's we're eight, we'll be eight months into the year, and Whaley would have only got to fight one time, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I really think this is like their own issue. Like they they booked themselves into a corner because realistically, I mean, Amanda Lemos, like they they could have given her a title shot like a year ago, and it would have made more sense than it does now. You know what I mean? Um, before the Andrade loss, like they kind of booked themselves into a corner. Like they've they've had multiple contenders that they've just killed off because they wanted the same. People like, oh, we have to have Yohan or Rose or Zhang Weili fight for the title again and again and again. And they've killed off multiple contenders in the process by doing it. Now this fight, Amanda Limosh, like, I'm well, down for it. Just yeah. just watch him, Josh. They're going to fucking make uh, Rose fight Yontron on. Don't say that. Don't don't, don't even you fucking say that, dude. Don't even don't surprise. Be I'm, I'm putting it out there just so everybody knows. Don't don't be surprised. You hear it here first on the Quartet Sound Off podcast. On, what episode is this now? I don't even know what it is. 214, 215? I don't know. Episode 214, 215. I can't think of it off the top of my head. Don't be surprised if the UFC books Jan Sean on versus Doug Rose. Just you hear it first. They could have had the China event, but they're going to ruin it. You guys will see. Unless Jan Sean on come up, uh, 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 beats Rose. If they, if they do end up booking. Obviously, this is like without knowing anything. But I'm just saying, don't be fucking surprised. Because mm. you know they're not going to rebook Rose versus fucking uh, Carly Esparza. Even though technically that's what they should, probably should do. So oh, they're both no. off yeah. losses. 
Yeah, I mean, they, they aren't exactly the great, the greatest at making any sort of intelligent decision lately. Um, the UFC matchmaking. Like, I kind of, I want to save this topic for a couple of weeks from now whenever we have a break in the UFC, which I believe actually it would just be next week, right? Yeah, next uh-huh. week we're going to have a break. Um, I want to talk about the state of the UFC, but, uh, yeah, man, I feel, I feel like this fight, like, this is, this is another one of those fights that, like, kind of perfectly encapsulates, you know, like, that, uh, they really just, they don't, it's not that they don't care, it's just like they're on autopilot, you know? Like, they don't really, actually, I think it's the perfect way to put it, they don't really care. They're making their money, they're on autopilot, they have the same contender series guys coming in that'll, that'll last for three months and then look at them, you know what I mean? Like, they're, they're in that phase where they made their money and they don't care. So, um, that's why you get booking decisions like these ones. But, mm-hmm. what do you think, um, I mean, that's kind of all we really got. Any closing thoughts on using 292 or 291 before we go ahead and uh, close out, man? Uh, not too much of what we just mentioned, man. I think we highlighted it as best as we can without going too in-depth with it because we always like saving our kind of super deep thoughts and predictions for the 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 week itself. Say that again? We try to save our, our thoughts, yeah. like major you know predictions and opinions for the night itself. Yeah, you, you cut off for me with it. Yeah, I mean – Generally speaking, man, I, I like I like talking about these fights, but I also don't because like, man, I'm so psyched. But then it's like, dude, these guys aren't fighting until August, so I mean, it's not really a whole lot to say. But yeah, I mean, in terms of the show, I hope you guys enjoyed. Uh, I'm at Josh Shevinoff on Twitter. He's at Angel Ortega underscore O one. Um, keep an eye out because next week there is no UFC. We'll submit a on Monday. I will put up a thing about fan questions or any fan ideas for the show. So go ahead and keep an eye on that, as well as also on probably TikTok or Twitter. But, you know, I hope you guys enjoyed the show. Uh, Quit Side Sound for all things related to the show. And I uh, hope you guys enjoyed. Shout out Rogue Energy, Andy Lister, Code Sound for both. Peace and bug grease. Mouse click.